0: 755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty it is on the air now. Welcome to 755 is real presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70 celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. We missed you. I'm uh, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. Eric, what's happening, man? Not much. We got a very special guest today, a former teammate of yours. Kelly Johnson's with us back again. It's been a while, Kelly. What's going on, man? Former Braves, legendary many times. Former Braves, <laughs>
1: <laughs> legendary transaction history. Uh, yeah, good man. I'm doing good. Just hanging out in Atlanta with the fam.
0: So, so Kelly, with the trade deadline coming up, not too far away. Do you yeah. still? Do you still PTSD? Of- I was wondering if yeah. you still look at the phone when it rings. Yeah.
1: No, yeah, shoot, I leave it on every time. I have the ringer on. Uh, I missed. I missed one trade with my phone off because I was taking a nap with you know whichever kid was that baby at that time, and I woke, woke, I woke up to my wife screaming. Turn on your phone. We has got traded? Like, what? I'm on the DL. Get out of here. And I'm sucking. Who wants me? <laughs>
0: well, there's a pretty good chance the trade was either to or from the Braves, right? Which
1: one well, was that, it? That, that one was actually from the Yankees to the Red Sox. And we were in Boston. Oh, wow. So I just wow. changed clubhouses. So, wow. Yeah. wow.
0: Was that the All only right? time you ever did that? Just changed clubhouses?
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Changed clubhouses and, and traded for one of my good friends, Stephen Drew. He, we, we just swap jerseys we almost swapped <laughs> we almost swapped like rental houses Gear. and that's great everything yeah just
0: families talk. families like that one trade that, that happened years ago where the oh, two relief yeah. interest traded families uh, actually no.
1: that actually yeah. happened i'm not making no. that up i know i know i know i've heard that yeah sure. i don't think that
0: could happen today that would be frowned upon today
1: <laughs> no probably not
0: hey uh so that was right. That was that was that time where you play for every AL East team in like a five or six year span, right? Two year,
1: two years span, <laughs> twenty four months. All, f- all every team in the AL East, all five. right? All five. That's amazing. Shoot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I might, I might be, uh, I'll be, I might be infamous just on trivia history. Like in 50 years, they're going to say who was the first to be traded? You know, playing all uh-huh. AL East. You know, and then you know who was. Who was the last person to get traded between the Yankees and the Red Sox? You know, that never happens. I think uh-huh. the last one was back in like 1992 or something up until that point. You know, they don't trade with each other. No, then the whole Brave, Braves, Mets, Braves, Mets. You know, there was like a dude from the Angels that did that uh, a couple times in a row. So, yeah, man, it's uh, it's kind of funny. But that, that's what you're it right. is.
0: Quite a few guys have gone free agency from the Yankees to the Red Sox or back. But you're right. Nobody trade. They don't trade with each other.
1: No. Nope, they both sucked that year, so we were. Uh, it didn't matter. It was just a uh, let's try this and see what happens. <laughs> how many how many NL East teams did you play for? Uh, Braves and Mets. Oh, yeah. that was it. No, Frenchie almost got them all. Yep, yeah, almost got them all.
2: And he didn't go to DC, right?
1: Right, right. That's right. He
0: played. That's right. He played for everybody else. There's somebody yep. else too. I forget.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. There's it's it's happening more and more, but.
2: I think it happens a lot, you know. If you if you do well in a certain division, even when your numbers are bad, how many did the Prado?
1: How many had Prado played
0: for? He played for the Yankees, Marlins, and Braves, right? Didn't he play the good. Yankees? Pratt
2: didn't go to DC. He didn't go to.
0: Didn't go to DC yeah. or the, Philly or the or Mets Philly.
2: or Philly? Yeah. Oh, no, he played for. Was, yeah, you're right. He Yan-
0: played the Yankees. Yankees. Yankees, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I lost yeah. my mind there for a minute. Well, well, let me ask you, Kelly. From afar, from outside looking in, as an interested uh, former Brave, many t- how many times you played for the Brave? By the way, three or four, three different. Three, students. three, three. And a guy who played for the Mets, and and I wanted to ask yeah. you, did I, I? I should have looked this up, but I didn't. Did you play with Degrom, or was he right after you?
1: Yeah. Oh, and I played with him. Yeah. His okay. actually, um, I was with the Yankees on his debut against him in his debut. So when I got debuted? to see him in his first game was Mets versus Yankees, and I was in the ah, visiting dugout. And he then played, that was his debut, huh? Yeah. Was you facing yeah. that day, yeah. Uh, and I remember, and I actually remember because he came out with the long hair, you know, and he's yeah. all skinny. And we're just and usually, oh, you know how it is. Like guys make debuts, you've kind of heard about him, like you know the yeah. name, or you know, there's a little hype. Like there was nothing. I just for him, showed though. there was nothing. There was nothing. So when that happens as a hitter. You're basically thinking that they just had to dip down and they needed an arm. And that was just, yeah. it was like this that guy, guy kinda, turned to pitch yeah. something and then they pitch and they go right back down and you never see him again. And it happened, you know, it used to happen all the time. So in a way you're kind of thinking like, okay, we got, some, sucks. we got some knocks coming yeah. and, and I got, I don't think I started, but I got two ABs on him. And I remember coming in, I struck out and being like, what Who the <laughs> hell is this? Like that, that fastball is on you, you know? And, uh. You know, and of course, you got to see if they can keep keep doing it, stay healthy. And, you know, then we got to play the next year with them and and watch it every day. And I don't I don't know if there's (laughs) no one better. I've never I've never stood in the box and been more not, you know, like Halliday's movement was was intimidating because you didn't know if it was going in or away sinking or, or riding up and in like cutting. And uh, he made me look pretty stupid a couple times personally, along with a lot of other people. But uh, just from like a consistently dominant, I don't, I've never seen anybody be like like Jake, like even from back then. But now, obviously, the numbers back it up. But even back then, it was just consistent. Never got rocked ever. No,
0: yeah, yeah. I think he's changed the discussion of from most of us on who's the best pitcher of our generation. You know, the question.
1: He was an old rookie, right? So you got to wonder, you know, how long does he go? But the fact that he's now in his 30s throwing 100. Getting better. Getting better. I
0: mean, it's amazing. And we're going to end up looking at his stats, and he's going to be the guy that changes the discussion because his stats are going to be the traditional stats. The wins and losses and all that are going to be so out of kilter with the other great pitchers. True. But the first guy that you could look at and say that about, and at the time, I remember as a kid, you'd look at Nolan Ryan and go, "Yeah, but he's like ten and twelve, you know." And as a kid, that 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 was important. And now you'd, look, if Nolan Ryan came along now, he'd be kind of Jacob Grom like in that he was piling up these ridiculous strikeout totals for really bad teams. So he didn't get his due, I don't think, from the from the general populace when he was playing. He played for yeah. a lot of bad teams. But now he would. I mean, Nolan Ryan. People would f- even more appreciate. In retrospect, they have appreciated yeah. how great he was. But Jacob Degrom is being appreciated while he's doing it. I think because people understand now how much his wins uh, and a, losses it's are it's, dependent isn't it, upon teams.
1: And it's funny though. The dude's got back to back Cy Youngs, and yeah. now we're in. You know, that was it's, this is like the the fourth yeah. year now, and now we're getting. He's getting buzz. Like he's in yeah. New York with two Cy Youngs. Yep. And no one even now we're now we're doing profile pieces on this guy.
0: If he'd have like, pitched what? for the Yankees what? instead of the Mets, it'd have been totally different.
2: Yeah. He's taking yeah. it to a, a whole new level this year though. I mean, I think he yeah. was that same guy, but this year it's like what he's doing is it's yeah. it's even different than what he was doing in the what, past.
0: Well, Eric, you well, what, played for the first guy like this who won the Cy Young with a losing record out in Seattle. I played for him? No, Felix. with him. Oh, Felix. played with
2: him. Yeah, that's yeah, who I was, was thinking of when, when Kelly was saying that, 10 and 12 and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Felix, he was the same way, though. Like, he was just different coming up. He was throwing 97 with a with a hammer curveball before everybody was throwing 97. But I, he popped into my head, too, where I was like, that's another guy that if he'd been in a different place yep. and getting those wins or gotten a pitch in the postseason, you know, because in Seattle in general, you're not getting a lot of media hype and, and attention. But if he had his career with the Yankees or somebody else, he's a Hall of Famer. Felix, yeah.
0: Because he's borderline now. I don't think he'll – if he gets in, it'll take years. But with yeah. the Yankees, I think he goes in pretty quick.
2: He'd easily have another 50, 60 wins. Oh, yeah. He, you know, teams that don't rebuild. And then he's first know.
0: ballot if he has another 50 wins.
2: Yeah. He's first yeah. ballot. He was in the big leagues at 19. Yeah. That's
1: pretty See, amazing. See, that's the, that's the difference there, you know. He was there – him and Kershaw, like nineteen, twenty. DeGrom was like twenty-six. Isn't
0: that crazy? You know. That's, like was was That's like a whole career. That's <sighs> like a whole career, basically. I mean, yeah. Koufax was wasn't even was great for like that period right there. Yeah. five or six years, really. I mean, where he in the
1: world. Well, shoot, he was, you know, a college shortstop that pitched and then so yeah. he got he got put in pro ball and, and um I just don't think he he didn't dominate early. So it kind of they took his time they took their time. And then he got a the injury. He had like a I think he had Tommy John or something. yeah, I, I think, think so. Some kind of inner injury that mm-hmm. took up a couple years. So they just that's that's pretty much it. But
0: you know, he's the only guy he he keeps having these little nagging things. And with other pitchers, when they have one of these nagging things, we're like, "Uh oh, Tommy John." He keeps having these little nagging things, and he's back like the next starter. He misses maybe two days. He pushes back, but he keeps yeah. it, it never slows him down. Like I he's think got he's one really right now.
1: Good. I think he's really good. I was just I, I actually saw that and. I think what he's good at is recognizing, like, yeah, when to I, yeah. if I just stop now, I'll be all right. Right, right. right. Some what guys, you know, that's what O probably knows, but you know, obviously he knows better than both of us. Like he, I never learned. What does that, that even lesson. feel like, and how do you <laughs> even tell yourself? Because what do you got What happens if you you do that and you're you're not Jacob Degrom? Then they look at you like you're always hurt. You're always hurt, and you need to start powering through this because none of these are leading to any major injury. So you must be soft, or something, you know, something yeah. like that. But you know, and for Jake, it's more like, oh, you're—he's smart.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but he's—he's like, he's already gone five innings, twelve punches when they take him yeah, out of the yeah. game. Yeah, <laughs> <It's like,
1: laughs>
2: When you're the yeah, greatest pitcher in the game, you can say
0: that, and they'll go, okay. Just yeah. Eric. Eric was kind of wrong position, wrong team, wrong, uh, p- wrong time, point in time to be saying, I can't go today. I know. Well, and it was—it yeah.
2: was hard for me too because I always pitched better the more I pitched. Yeah. So it, like, I didn't want time off. Like Moilo. You know? Yeah. Same with Moilo. But it's like, if you're rolling, everything's locked in and your elbow hurts a little bit. I'm not sitting out two or three days. I might get sloppy. You know, I might, I might, you want to, you want to pile up those runs when you can.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, not great for the long term.
2: No, I didn't know that, though, at yeah. the time.
0: <laughs> Do you think Med did that? I haven't asked Med did he, how much he, painted, yeah. how much he pitched through, but it his elbow like he was did. always
2: bothering him. But he was on that, like, for him, if you're 2012 Chris Medlin and yep. you're on that tear he's on, yep. like he's establishing himself as I'm never going back to the minor leagues yep. if I have this run. Or, or if he says I'm hurt here and he only had four or five starts in that run that were good, yeah. and then he comes back from the DL and he struggles, like he's got to make the team next year. Yeah, you know, I mean, you when you go on a tear like he did, like he penciled himself in the rotation the next year, you're getting a raise, the whole thing. So, I mean, that's a tough decision for guys.
0: I mean, Matt, but, if he had that season that he had then, if he had it now, he might be in a position to get a really big deal, one of those young guys, sign long-term and get that security. Yeah. We've talked about those young guys leaving some on the table for that long-term yeah. security. Because yeah. he never had he had that huge contract, and he could have got one with another
1: year like he had. Yeah. He was phenomenal Injuries that suck. year. Injuries suck. They do. They just they just change the game, you know, at the wrong time. Timing's everything in that stuff. Oh, and getting
2: old, man. I was – I was trying to explain to my buddies, I was shooting hoops with a dude that was really good basketball player in high school. And we had a barbecue. So we walked over the park by his house and we were shooting hoops. And I was like watching him just struggle to move. He couldn't hit shots. And I was like, that's what it was like the last two years of my career, man. I was hitting the same button and just getting a different <laughs> result. Like I was firing and doing everything I thought I was doing the same yeah. and it just wouldn't, it just, it just goes away. Yeah. Kelly.
0: Kelly, can a guy like you better appreciate when somebody like uh like Acuña takes the money that he did, you know, and leaves potentially, you know, 200 million dollars on the table, but he's got 125 yeah. million dollars guaranteed? Can you see both sides of that? A guy who's been through the injuries like you did?
1: Uh you know, I I was I was fairly lucky injury-wise. Um but that being said, like how how does he turn out? down. I mean, that's, yeah. that's almost impossible. That's, that's that kind of money. You know, the ones that are different, I think are when guys jump on five years, 20. anything that, yeah. yeah. Anything that that's their arbitration years. Right. And those, they, they go ahead and just lock those down. The team wins all day long. But when the, when the team knows they got somebody special and they're willing to kind of pay him about what they could be an arbitration and make it just, Hey, we just, you're our guy. Yeah. So that, I feel like that's what Acuna got. He just, Right, he was the first one to domino to fall, and all these other guys just reaping benefits from that deal. I mean, right? If he would have been the second guy, he would have been we're talking two hundred million. Yeah, maybe the third guy, you're talking three hundred right. million, like Tatis.
0: You know, in Tatis's that, contract, if you look at it close, the real difference comes in the last years of Tatis's contract because this is what fourteen years or something like that, and Acuna's is eight with two option years, and the real disparity won't happen until the final years of that deal. So yeah. if if Acuna were fortunate enough to stay healthy and be great still, he can make yeah. that up at the end. But if he falls off, he's not going to. But it's not yeah. till the end, till the That's end. That's the other thing you
2: you think about though. It's not just health and injuries. It's I, I was never confident enough to think I'm just going to keep dominating the big leagues. You, know, you always think like, what if I fall on my face? What if I start yeah. having bad seasons? You know, and, and that happens with a lot of guys too. You see guys come up. Look at Jay Hayes first year. You know, if he would have, if yeah. he would have signed something based on that, I mean, he wound up getting paid anyway, but you think you're a player that, that, you know, you, you're going to put up these numbers forever and guys stop performing, you know, that's, that's other risk. And I mean, for him, it's like, he's still driving a Lamborghini, <laughs> you know, I mean, if he, if he doesn't get an extra hundred, I don't know that you'd ever feel that it's, it's like, are you flying private? Or are you flying normal? You know?
1: Yeah. He's good. He's good. <laughs> he's good. He He's ended straight.
0: up. He ended up getting lucky. Oh, not getting lucky, but he had that year with the Cardinals where his defense was off the charts, and at, it was talk about timing. It was at that time where people were paying on war and defense, and looked like this guy's one of the greatest defenders ever, and all that. Now the Cubs have regretted it. I mean, they won a World Series with him, and he helped out, but he hasn't lived up to that contract, obviously. But he got paid. Yeah. He turned down what Freddie got, and and ended up getting paid anyway. So it's weird yeah. though. Like with
2: JA, you want him on your team. You know, yeah. like the, the way he plays, and I don't know if his defense is, is still as good as it was when I played with him, but he did something in the field every day, and he'd make a play look so easy it wouldn't go appreciated. Yeah. But just being a gamer and, and having him on your team and being in the clubhouse with him, I was always like, you know, he's just a winner. And so yeah. they won a World Series with the contract. I always look at it like if you get a World Series out of one True. of those deals, it's, it's a good contract.
0: And whether he contributed a whole lot on the field – they all credit him with that that, that team speech. meeting that he called. So that speech alone uh, is
2: worth a hundred million to Chicago. You
0: know, and outside looking truth. in, you're like, that's overrated. But that's not what the players mm-hmm. say.
1: Uh, That's the no. What's what's not what's so underrated is the 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 rain delay being even an issue. Like, there's no way that 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 should even happened. You know, uh, Cubs fans should be less about the speech and more about like the grounds crew or whoever made (laughs) that decision. Yeah, you're right. Let's be honest. I mean, that's that pretty much changed the whole. Oh, changed everything. It did. But whatever. History is history. I would say Acuna, man. You know, you think about some of this, these guys making these deals, and you know, we've played with the guys where it's kind of about money. And once they get the money, the yeah. the work ethic and the drive changes. And right. so the guys that, that, that are just different, they're not even about the money. Like the mm-hmm. money comes and they, they're they just like, I'm playing baseball. And they've got goals that are greater than that. And That's you know, Acuna. Acuna is that guy. If that he is, is that guy, he is. then he's already thinking like – he's not even thinking next contract. He's just – I'm thinking like legacy. I'm thinking how long – I'm going to play till I'm 40-something and my numbers are going to be huge. And, it, you know, those guys don't even think about the money. That's how he strikes are- me
0: and everything that I've heard and everybody I've talked to says that about him, that he wants to be the greatest player, that he doesn't. He got the contract. Fine. He hasn't said one word about it since. He didn't tell anybody, even off the record, his friends, after Tatis' contract, you know, oh, shit, what did I do? And instead, he goes and works out in Venezuela in the offseason, posts these post these videos of him working out. And you talk about, we were talking earlier about the rocky fields and everything. That's what he goes back home to in the little town he lives in. It's not in Caracas. It's in a little town up in the mountains. And he worked his ass off on these dinky fields. Dust is flying up everywhere. He's out there working out. He's doing old school drills. And he was busting his ass all off season. There was nothing glamorous about it. He wasn't working out with a bunch of other big leaguers in a nice posh place. He was back home with his family. And he came back to camp this year in far better shape than I he was always in good shape, but he had lost about 10 pounds, just straight in the gut yeah, and man. ripped. And the speed was even, you know, it was it was 75 probably last year. It's 80 now.
1: Yeah, you so. get the feeling that some of these guys like that, they would play for free and they're yeah. just laughing when people pay them. They're just like, I would yeah. do this for nothing. And you're paying yeah. me. All right, cool. You look at like Bartolo, like he was. He's like, still
2: playing on he's like
1: 52 and he's out on those same fields throwing, you know, yeah. pitching against like 18 year olds. Exactly. like you see yeah.
2: that video of him striking out like a 10 year old, just front yeah. door seeking a 10 yeah. year old?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's just like, let me just play baseball. And if you if you pay me, great. If not, whatever, I'll go play somewhere else. Yeah, that's what those guys do. So that's good to hear. I mean, that's that's. I think that's the difference in, like, the guys that had the Hall of Fame careers.
0: Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. The videos were similar to what you're talking about with Bartolo. Back home in the little towns, not like living oh, in no. Beverly.
1: Hold on. Oh, what happened? My kids.
0: <laughs> I thought, we, I I like, thought one of us froze up. Uh,
1: we can hear you. You're on. I know. Why my in my headphones connected to my, my iPad that my kids just jumped on. And I'm listening to like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Well, we what, can hear you. So, what is that? I mean, come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rhett, let everybody know how many kids you got, Kelly. I think everybody's probably lost count.
1: Yeah, four kids, and 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 we're we're in the summer, and so these guys are all up in my business. Go <laughs> out outside. Kelly's got four kids, three
0: boys. They're all like,
1: uh, all at baseball age, various yeah, group, baseball ages. It's life. I mean, we were. I was. That's what we were saying. I was before, every weekend right now. It's uh it's, it's minimum ten games a weekend sitting there watching. I mean, I got the setup, dude. I look like I'm tailgating for you know Texas Oklahoma. I got the, pants, I got the fans. I got coolers. Like, has, has these
0: cops recruited you, yet to coach? Are you hitting coach with anybody? <laughs> uh you know you're just a parent
1: fan I coach uh, yeah because I coached my middle one two years the last two years so he was in like coach pitch so I'm like out there pitching yeah just trying to hit their barrels and uh and I couldn't watch my other kids so I would I would miss so many games and you know with that many yeah. games like I want to be able to bounce around and so it, I'm I love coaching like it's fun to go out there especially when they're pitching yeah you know, like you because you're managing a game kind of even though it's like kids it's still kind of like some stuff you got to think about that that part of it's like you just kind of miss. So I, I wish I was doing that, but
0: Hey, which, which of the, anybody, any other players have, I know there's some, have kids playing with your kids now? A lot of them,
1: right? You would laugh. You would, you would just, (laughs) I could give you a list of guys that I've seen at the ballpark. Um, actually just the, just recently, Brian Moeller, the scout, he's a scout for the Red Sox, his kids playing, he's 16 Uh or 15. Um, Uh, a guy umpiring walks up to me and he goes huge dude he's like you look really familiar and I'm just thinking okay you know Braves guy whatever he's like Kelly Johnson he goes I'm Alva Thompson and Alva used to be a Braves minor league guy back in the lower levels when I was like 19 he played with me in Macon and the dude would just back up catcher and hit tanks he'd either hit a tank or strike out (laughs) he's umpiring my kids games now (laughs) but <laughs> so you got him. I mean, you got John Ennis. Remember John Ennis? Yeah. Yeah. He was that guy. He was that the Braves needed an arm and he got called up from double a through five innings. Never got to the big leagues again. John Ennis. I mean, I, Josh Burris, former first rounder, the Braves. Yeah. yeah. You see B
2: out there. Who? B Mac.
1: Uh, not yet. His He's kid, younger? his kid's younger, but I, uh, DeRosa see him all the time. We talk all the time and see him out there. DeRosa's kid up there yet. He's playing that. Uh, level? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His his kid plays on a travel team right he, by where I'm. My kid, where we are. Did D-Row
0: so, coach, or he can't do that? During, well?
1: He's, he's going to coach time. next year, right. uh, just the games. So he's going to like you know Friday he flies home, ah, and then on the yeah. weekend he's going to coach just games. That's well, that's the rumor. But yeah, yeah. See, There's, we broke I
0: mean, some. We broke some news here.
1: Yeah, you did. You did. So my D-row's, bad. My bad. D- D-
0: Dero's planning to stay with MLB network then next year. Not going to take a managing job with the He's going to manage, but it's going to be a geese Cobb league
1: <laughs> It'll be, uh, it's going to be 12 u baseball. Just, uh, remember, uh, Contreras, the pitcher from Cuba. Yeah. yeah. His, his kid, he's out all the time. Uh, dude, it's crazy. You'll see people and you're yeah. just like Todd can green. You, has like the tell? best like, in the, in the nation here, he, his, his team just whooped up on my kid's team the other day. Uh, it's, Can you it's tell funny.
2: when you see a big leaguer's kid out there? Are they just like everybody no. else?
1: No, I have Contreras's kid is supposedly really good, and um, but everyone else so far is all kind of like middle. Same. Yeah, they're middle. They're, they, well, you know what it is? They all look kind of a little bit like their age versus like some of these kids look right. like they're thirteen or fourteen. And so most of these kids, like Todd Green's kid, my kid, they got a little. They're still a little, little baby fat on them. They look like a. They look like a little boy. Like they don't look like some you know yeah. teenager were you uh Did when you, you were
2: s- playing growing up were you heads and shoulders above all the other kids or just like them
1: well so we didn't have travel. remember we, we didn't do the travel thing was not ex- didn't exist so you're just playing against yeah. your friends from school man so yeah like from like six till 12 is you just you're killing it you know like you're playing against buddies and you're going to school bragging you're like you, you know <laughs> i struck you out or hit a yeah you know like that was that was baseball that was it that was what it was all about you know but then once travel started, like 12, 13, I would say I would have big moments and then kind of, and, and, you know, there was some kids that were always really good, never did anything after that, you know, and I, you know, it wasn't, I just had good timing. Like, I, I think I took off and started dominating like right before my junior, my senior year of high school. So, I mean, you know, you had that 12 year old kid with a huge curve ball,
0: but he never got any better than that. Oh, we, had, we, <laughs> <like that. laughs> we were just
2: we were talking about that before we started dave how it's like you know, i wasn't any i was just a normal kid all the way up through like till my junior year in high school and the the amount of just the the way parents weigh this stuff like if you have the yeah. best 10-year-old or 11-year-old yeah. they think their kid's going to the big league <laughs> just the pressure that they wind up putting on their kids right. and and how competitive parents are like kelly's just preparing me for you know what to what to be ready for with my own son he said that you know there'll be a target on his back and everybody will kind of want to see how yeah. they stack up to your son and and things yeah. like that and i'm like man Yo, i'm not looking that. forward to that cuz i never had any of that growing up we just played um,
1: on, the, on on your end what it's going to be for cuz for me it's like if my kids aren't good hitters
2: they're yeah. like
1: then if i if i bring anything to a practice and i'm like you know i'm going to work with hitters just to help out part of it is almost like well what do you know your kids your kids not that good yeah, he's not, he's not hitting. So, like, if your kid's not pitching well, well what do you know? Your kid, your own kid doesn't even pitch well. You know what do you know? He's, he's seventh. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. That's that's how they look at it. Like they, baseball is that one sport where, you know, whatever whoever they're sitting there, they watch 120 Braves games on TV yep. every yep. year. Because of that, they know the game. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I watch every. I watch all these games. I know just as much. And you're like man everything's very reactive in in youth baseball the coaches don't prep them don't they're not they're not they're not setting up what is going to happen and they just yell at them after it happens and then that's their coaching like so next is- time you got to do this because you didn't do it whereas they could have been like hey you know let's be here or there let's line up this or this guy you know, whatever it is you know a little proactive a little bit of like foresight cuz you, cuz you know the game
0: so that yeah. even goes with uh, with former players, huh? Some some who watch the game on TV think that they know more about it than you do, or as then, much as you do. Then f- what do you mean? Watching like, on TV, they think they know as much about it as you do. And
1: about yeah, the pl- no, no. Like, I had a, I had a guy tell me this one. time. I believe it. I'm just, he said he said you could be Chipper Jones or Bobby Cox, and if you come into yep. a youth baseball environment, yep, you don't know nothing. <laughs> this is a different game. This is a different kind of a game. Man, there's the rules. You got to know the rules. Umpires are butchering stuff, and coaches are making stuff up, and the umpires believe them. And yeah. it's, it's silly, man. It's silly. You see some stuff you wouldn't believe. It's fun, but it's silly.
0: Uh, hey, look, real quick here. We got some ads. Uh, Cam, you got some. You want to make some money for us here, request? that's Let's right. roll. Yeah. And I, and I just realized I didn't welcome in us with a 755 is real uh, presented by tops thing. Did I mess that up? I, I can Added read that later. I can read that later. We could add it or all right. All right. So let's uh real quick. Let's talk. Let's. I, I want to ask you about the Braves, Kelly. Uh, I meant to ask that earlier, and we got sidetracked there from an outside looking in watching them this year. I mean, I know they haven't had a season like this in a while where they struggled for a while. Are you, like, uh, are you like Eric, though, when you say there's still 99 games to play, there's plenty of time for this? I and mean, they're only five games back. I mean, we keep. Wow. it feels like they're 20 games back, but they're five games back. Yeah. And, and we saw a Braves team blow a double-digit lead in September before, not that long ago. So we know it can happen. And that's yeah. a, four months to make up five games, basically, or three and a half months.
1: Yeah. No, it's – there's so much time left. And, you know, when I was younger, Teixeira – what came over and he, he said it then back in like 2007, he was like for, for a hundred games, everybody's the same. Mm -hmm. There's always like that one team that's just can't, can't win. They suck. They're done. And there's always one team that's just built such a big lead. There's always an anomaly, but he's like the rest, like 98% of the season, everybody's playing 500 baseball, hundred games. It's the last 60 that make or break it. You know, and that 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 feels like it held true for the past, you know, whatever fourteen, however many years it's been. I think I think there's plenty of time. Um, the division is talented, but they're they're not. It's it's talented, but they're it's kind of the weak one of the weakest divisions. Yeah, nobody's oh, running away I, with it at tons all. Tons of talent, you know. So I, the Braves, you know, my 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 thing with them is that they. The pitching has always been one of those things that I've looked at. Even when they've been winning these last two years, I felt like they've been getting away with something the last couple of years. Uh-huh. So this this year feels like it's like kind of coming back, even and out, you know, mm-hmm. even and out. You know, but the the offense around the league is down. I've, I've, all these guys I see at these tournaments that are scouts and they they watch all these games and scout all these games. They keep telling me how bad the game is. It's in bad shape just yeah. from an offensive standpoint. Uh, you know, some pitchers would say if, even from a pitching standpoint, despite the velocity and stuff being up. So it's it's a weird season. But the coming off that covid year, you know, it's, it's going to feel like a long season for these guys for sure. So it's just a different year. But yeah, Braves, Braves have the talent. It's just they need some people to start being like carrying it. Yeah. yeah. you
0: you've seen enough of Freddie Freeman and played with him to to do you do you are you confident that at the end of the year his numbers are gonna be pretty close to what they always are?
1: You know, you know what what I'm confident in, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, at the end of the year the guy's gonna be whatever what's his his bat his career batting average is probably two eighty five or two so yeah. i d I'm not gonna sit here and say that he's hitting two twenty and he's gonna end at two eighty-five. Mm-hmm. He's probably gonna finish somewhere in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. What I am confident in saying is that When Freddie Freeman comes up at some point in a stretch, right, yeah, a couple months when he comes up to the plate and we need him, he's going to be Freddie Freeman. Yep. So he might he might go zero for three for the first three at bats of a game, but he comes up with that fourth at bat and you need him to be Freddie Freeman. I'm confident he's going to be Freddie Freeman. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, and and Chipper told him, you know, hey, I hit. 235 one year, Chipper was being nice, trying to make him feel good. Chipper hit 249, I think he was talking about his worst year, but he also yeah. hit 30 bombs that year. But Chipper was making a point that it was in the middle of a stretch where Chipper otherwise hit 300 every year, and, and like three years later won the batting title at 364. So uh, lifetime average, even with this year, it 292. was 292. 381 yeah. OBP, career slug, he's at 461 right now, and 889 career OPS, he's at 815 right now.
1: Yeah, well, let's, let's ask Eric if he's navigating through the lineup. Nope,
2: I don't want any part of Freddie. I don't he care if he's hitting 127. Yep. I don't want that at bat.
1: And you know what? Braves teammates <laughs> sitting in the dugout, Freddie Freeman in the lineup versus not in the lineup, Chipper they Jones in the up. lineup versus not in the lineup, game yeah. changer. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So, you know, especially from, like, Eric's perspective of being a pitcher, like, if, when he's there and he's coming up and you you're thinking ahead a couple hitters and you're yeah. like – Freeman's coming up. Yeah,
2: yeah. You want to get it done before you get to him, even even if he's struggling, because you know, you know the type of a bat he's going to have. You know what he can do. You know, even watching him this year, I mean, he's he's had some bad luck. He's hitting balls hard still.
0: Oh yeah, he's still like fourth in the league in uh, hard hit balls. Yeah,
2: Yeah. which sucks because you'd rather be like thirty fifth in the league and hard hit balls and hitting two ninety seven. That's what he said. Yeah, but but I mean, you know, as a player and even as an opponent, you. You know how to analyze it, you know, apart from the numbers and just say at some just watching, that, I can say at some point he's those balls are gonna start falling in or he's gonna start getting some bloopers. He might and he caught a couple swing, of those
0: in this in this uh
2: trip yeah, too. His swing might be locked in right now and he might feel off and start dropping bloops in. You know, I mean Yeah. The hard thing is it's just it's such a hard season. And if he did this in the middle of the year, got into this little rut it wouldn't be a big deal. But anytime you start off a year like that, like it's just more emphasis on it and the spotlight's on it. And it's, is this your bad year? Are you struggling? But especially
0: when a guy like Ozuna is out, is not doing, is well, he's gone now, but when he was struggling and uh, Albies was struggling at the time, it was just about everybody except Acuna was. So Freddie's thing is more magnified.
1: They're just in this little offensively, that just feels like they're in this little thing where, They've got guys get hot that are, and they're kind of spread out. You know, it's like, right. that's Alves what we are saying. Riley are raking, but, uh, you know, Acuna and Freddie won't be. And then Acuna will be. And like, yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, yeah. we're not seeing what we've seen the last few years where the, the train just Yeah. lets man yeah. up and they just rolled through. <laughs> you know, and it was a deep lineup and, and guys were feeding off each other. We're not seeing that. We're seeing kind of the typical middle of the road offense where, you know, one guy is hot, one guy's not. And, and that, that, that big moment in the game falls on the guy. That's not more times. Yeah. Than not. You're like, yeah. You know,
0: well, last year they know. had six, seven guys going at once for, it was only yeah. a 60 game season and they had six or seven guys going yeah. for the majority of time this year in April and into May, they had Acuna and then one other guy would be going out and they didn't time. And then Riley got hot and Acuna yeah. cooled off a little bit. Nazi got hot, but that's been about, about it. They've had maybe three to oh. four. Dansby Swanson got hot, but they've never had more than that. And for about a month and a half, it was basically one guy, and then one other guy. So it's only now they're really starting to put together the whole offense. And Freddie is, you know, still just nah for him, not not doing oh. much.
1: I so know. yeah, they, but as they, a fan, looking, what you got? Sorry, what you what you
0: were talking about, Freddie Freeman? How how pitchers. Uh, obviously, you don't want there's going to be one guy you focus on not letting beat you, and Freddie Freeman's going to be that guy still. Him and Acuna, obviously now. But how much harder do you think? How much more of an advantage is it for Acuna that makes it that much tougher for teams to to zero in on when he's leading off? I think coming up, that's a different state of mind, right, as a pitcher when that's the guy starting a game, and he's shown it so many times that they throw a first pitch strike and boom, he hits it out. So it brings a whole well, different dynamic run, too. to it. Yeah. You can't pitch around. You can't put you can him run. on. Yeah. You yeah. can't put him on to start the game.
1: No. He's With- well, he's he's a, he's a freak and he's special. And the, he'd do what he's doing wherever in the lineup. Right. And, anywhere. Yeah. He could hit anywhere. But
0: one through, one through five.
1: One one thing that's great about being able to lead him off is that you don't pitch around a leadoff guy ever. Mm-hmm. You know, just it's not gonna happen. And especially when you got Freeman behind him, but he's mm-hmm. Freeman, whether he's the spot behind him or two spots behind him. You're not you're not ever going to just give give like not give in and just pitch around to You're just right. not. Um unless you're in the playoffs and then you've got the matchup and you've got a guy that you know you feel better about against Freeman versus Yeah, this guy. lefty with an open Acuna. base. Yeah. So playoffs, you know, things change. That's the beautiful thing about baseball is playoff baseball is the best. But uh Cunha's he's gonna get his all day no matter on. what, no matter what. We've That's why about- I tell
2: Dave all the time when we talk about his leadoff stats, I'm like, well, you know, part of the reason he's hitting so many leadoff homers, is cause he should be in the four hole. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's that yeah. powerful of a hitter, but he just, for whatever reason, functions leading off really well. And they don't want to mess with it.
0: Yeah. What he, uh, he has Acuna has the, uh, oh, what was I, I was thinking of come, oh, you made me forget. Um, he has that. Uh, he comes up there with that first pitch. Oh, he's the anti-Prado. We were talking about this last week. How Prado never swung at the first pitch, a year in year out. He was always first, second in the league, and not in lowest percentage swinging at first pitch. What yeah. was yours? I remember you were.
1: Yeah, I might. I, I had a little bit of like a. a I was a schizophreniac of a career with that stuff. Yeah, I, my my my. You changed myself- it. I, I, When I was trusting myself early, I knew I needed to work into an at-bat. I was, uh-huh. better, I was better in pitch four or five or six than I would be one or two. And I learned real quick I really needed to, to be patient and, and see a pitch and get the timing and everything going with my at-bat. Yeah. I'll be honest, um, not blaming anybody other than myself, but Bobby made a few comments here and there about being too patient. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and he's, to, you know, to us,
0: he made those. <laughs>
1: and so I, I started feeling every once in a while, like, okay, maybe I do need to start being ready and, and, and being ready to hit.
0: Yeah. Cause I you know,
1: like if I was going to strike out looking, it's because I was not swinging at a pitch that wasn't, it wasn't mine, you know, and, and I could take it, I would be okay with it, you know, in my own head. But when I started to feel like there was some, you know, Hey, like you, you, you got to get a more aggressive. You got to start doing, you know, I let it get to me a little bit. So I, yeah. I definitely had a moment there where I was, I think I was on the right track early. I think I deviated and then I got back to it. And then the game got like, O said you get older and things change. You start having as a hitter. Uh, I couldn't just react on 95 anymore and, and, and expect to drive it. Now I'm having to really almost, almost cheat. Yes. And cheat. No, like, okay, I'm getting a heater, heater and I'm, and I'm timing it. And yeah. you know what? At the end of my career, I, I don't know that I ever went to the plate more often, more confident as when I was older, just from that aspect of being able to understand like what the guy was trying to do, what uh-huh. he had, what, what my limitations were. So even though, you know, I didn't have the, the, the physical reaction of a 25 year old, like that's why I think I had success pinch hitting at the end of my career, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you come in like, and you know what you're doing, but like send yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's such a different if you it's such a cliche but you know literally if you if you could go back in time and be that smart when you yeah. had the physical yeah, you hit
2: 340
1: you'd be, be Trevor Jones. Well, that's what these guys that's what these guys that are the young young stars are, right. are doing now. They're right. well trained and well taught and well coached and they know they're willing to listen like I was stubborn, you know, uh, you know, I know what works for me, you know. So I mean, yeah. That that's the difference between guys that are parental all-stars and guys not like me that I had a career and it was my career, but it wasn't like an all-star career, right? That's just the difference if we're being real. So, hey.
0: but that's the difference in some guys like you, and but like Sandoval was an all-star, but yeah. how he keeps playing when physically you look at Sandoval and you go, there's no reason that guy should be able to play major league baseball at this level, but he's yeah. so smart and he knows pitchers and he prepares so much yeah. and he's still got plenty of bat speed.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, that's a hard one for me to, You know, because my career maybe ended a little a year or two earlier than it should have. I think just because the way that the the front offices started valuing or devaluing older guys, right? Um, Yeah, right. I feel like a lot of guys could are they're way more valuable than I think is being let on. I think I personally was more valuable at the end of my career doing what I was doing than what I was told I was. Yeah, Um, and that was just a movement that we've seen go younger and. I'll i just now that it's been what five years, there's a statute of limitations on opinions, I think. So like I might <laughs> no, I could no, have been back that? I could have been back with the Braves a fourth year. There was a lot of talks in the offseason before yep. I retired. And that was one of that was like one of those situations where I was like, I'm coming back to Atlanta or I'm I'm done. And yep. so I had a lot of talks with Copy and we were good to go for a while. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, we're gonna stick with Chase Darnode. And I remember as soon as I got that feeling, <laughs> yeah. I was like, Copy, like <laughs> you're, t- you're basically telling me that Chase Darno a better player than me. And I can't disagree with you more. Like that's, yeah. ri- that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But Chase could play short. They could throw him in center if they needed to. So from that, like I understood. And I mean, he's a freak athlete, but as a baseball player, right. Come on. Yeah. And this was coming off of a year. I, I just tied for the lead, the lead in pinch hit homers and had a lot of big hits with, you know, at the end of the year. Anyway, that's what I felt like ended my career with that mentality and so when I see Sandoval, and I, I'm not surprised, the dude rapes, right, yeah, raped right. his whole life. Yeah. Now he's made a, a conscious effort to like say, like I know my role, yeah, and this is how I prepare for that role. It's a different preparation.
0: And what yeah. you're saying, the, the only reason Sandoval's had this opportunity is the Braves cut payroll, and he was cheap, and they yeah. invited a bunch of guys to spring yeah. training, and he was on a he was a non-roster invitee. They had no intentions of carrying Bro. him. And he he had 400 in spring training and guys that they brought in a couple on major league contracts for like a million looked like crap in spring training. And he beat them out. Younger guys, younger guys. So they kept him not thinking he was going to hit any home runs. So this kind of a, it's kind of an accident in some way, what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. You could have done that. You could have done that. No. So that was an option. I had, I had several minor league, uh, major league invite minor league deal. Mm-hmm. And that i wasn't willing to accept and that's my point like the value right. them the, not valuing to say th- that this guy's worth a, a guaranteed spot i think it's crap uh, you know i think i think it's obvious. and then when you see those things happen which they happen more often than not yeah you're like you're telling yeah, me that was. guy a million bucks to be on your bench and provide what he provides and you're yep. going to go with a cheap option and rotate you know a bench spot and None of, none of these guys are playing in the minor leagues for longer than a couple years anymore. Like yeah. that's where I think some of these guys, as scouts are saying the game is not good. is not in good shape right now. Yep. We're getting these guys with back in the day, it was 1500, 2000 plate appearances. I don't know. Oh, what the, the innings they'd like to see guys get innings in the minor leagues before they got up. Typically there's a number in their head for, for plate uh, appearances. It's like 1500 or 2000. Yeah. That ain't happen anymore. Now no, they just want to up see to the, the big stuff. Yeah. And that as a, as a clubhouse, in the locker room, that's a nightmare because I'm telling you right now, you're not learning how to be a teammate and how, how the things work in the minor leagues. So now you get to the big leagues and they got their feet kicked up in the clubhouse. They're on their phones during the game. You know, they're not even acting like professionals. So it's, it's sad in that way that like that, that so many baseball guys are kind of being shown the door and kudos to Sandoval and guys that do say, you know what? Again, I don't need the money. I just want to play ball. You know, um, Adam Jones, he's out there in Japan. You know, H- Horacio Ramirez, he's still pitching. Peter yeah. Moylan. Peter Moylan's still basically staying hot because they want to play international. So, I mean, awesome. Yeah. That's that's awesome thing, and that's that's a great thing. I do think some of these guys deserve and the and, guarantee, though.
0: And Sandoval has been – so critical in that clubhouse, too. I mean, they lost yeah. leaders like Marquecas, man.
1: Three-time World Series champion. Yeah. You think
0: he doesn't and, know how to how to win games? And he could just as easily have been in the situation you're talking about, though, if he wasn't willing to accept a minor league deal from the Braves, at go the to house. spring training and rake at 400 and basically make it impossible not to keep him. But that, yeah. it's almost by accident that he's on this team. I mean, he could easily be out of the game right now this year or playing yeah. in the minors somewhere trying to earn a spot with the team. And yep. instead he's the best pinch hitter in baseball this year so far.
1: So love it. I love it for him. Yeah. Hey, I fun. always
2: I always talk about you know, because that's another thing when you're talking about the the just the things you learn over years and years. I always talk about how you know a veteran player can just have one thing they say to you that clicks, or or they can break something down for you in a different way. You know, like even for me. I, I was telling Dave a few episodes back that Rick Ankiel gave me a tip on my curveball or on my slider, something that oh, he right. used on his curveball. But I rode that for like six months one year. I rode it from like spring training all the way until August, and I was hot with this one thing that Rick said to me about shortening up my arm action on my on my slider. And I, I think that's one thing that you know kind of gets out of the game when you don't have guys that have been around and been through it and learn how to get out of those ruts. It's impossible to value, but who was it? Tomlin was, was helping a guy a lot last year. Mentor. Uh, met, yeah, mentor. Changed he his helped career. Him. Yeah. I, I think it's a shame that that a guy, you know, late in his career, that that's not valued what young guys can pick up from older dudes. But it isn't. I mean, you know, you just – you wind up just taking the guy that's faster and more athletic and sending you home,
1: you know.
0: And, and Hamels with Freed last year was a huge yeah. part. And Freed's turnaround. Yeah. But mentor that, that, credits that, that, Tomlin, for saving his career, man.
1: Well, and and then Basically. not to mention, you know, we're not even keeping these guys in the in the mix as as field staff. Now mm-hmm. we've got guys that you know that don't. I've heard I've heard from numerous people that there's a lot of organizations that have pitching machine BP because the coaches aren't baseball guys. They can't throw BP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've so, seen you that. Know, I've seen just the having having up. that having that that in, that game life experience, like O said, like invaluable man I'll I'll tell you right now I wasn't ever my when I left the um, 2014 Yankees Boston Baltimore that was pretty much when my career went from starter to bench guy and so the next year I was a minor league guy and came back with the Braves and made the team and that that team had Johnny Gomes and Gomes had been at least a platoon guy his whole career so he might have every day type at bats as a platoon guy but he was also a bench guy so he said the greatest thing Ever for me that I didn't even didn't even cross my mind on how to prepare for being a bench guy. He's like, when you know that your spot or a a spot for you is coming up, you need a good sweat. He's like, you go run because I I would just do the the standard like two jogs, stretch, swing. And and that was it. But I wouldn't hot. I took I took that and started like my sprints got harder or I jump on a bike and pedal a little faster and I would I would get a sweat. Changed everything for yeah. me. Just something like that. Yeah. That's what I am talking about. And it's a like guy that's – his career was based on that, handing it down. And and I handed it down to, to people in the Mets. Brandon Nimmo was, was one of those guys. Those things – you're not going to get that from a guy that didn't play. Yeah. Anyway. Sound like you, the old grumpy guy now yelling at clouds, but, you know. No, man, know just, there's
2: a lot of value in knowing what it feels like, you know, knowing what it's like to, to have gone through it. You know, I, I don't I don't hate analytics or any. You know, I think there's a lot of value in a lot of the other stuff you see too. If every time you see a line drive up the middle and there's a dude just standing on second base catching it, like you can't you can't argue the value in a lot of this stuff. But I, I do think it's a shame that there's so many coaches and good baseball people just being shown the door, and the little stuff like that's not going to get passed down. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show.
0: There's a couple of organizations. I know the Astros, uh, the Braves bullpen coach now who they got, who they hired away from the Astros back in December when they got rid of their 59 year old bullpen coach. Cause this guy's really heavily in the analytics and though has the whole thing is able to that. The, the theory being that he could take the analytics and apply them better, uh, to the pitching staff. Cause you've got kind of a traditional pitching coach and Granite's. um, but the Astros, he was one of the first he was one of the coaches the Astros hired, away from being a, a college coach, analytics guy who didn't play, you know, at, didn't come close to playing even high minors, much less major league ball, and really has background more in analytics. And and some teams are, are hiring coaches like in their thirties. Who never got up uh, even close yeah. to playing in the big leagues? Most of them, some of them didn't even play minor league ball. Just stopped in college. In fact, they're bullpen—he didn't even play minor league ball. He's he played at a small college and was a, a middle and reliever. And he's the bullpen coach now, you know. But he's yeah. heavily into analytics. But that's just that's just you kind know, of the direction that some organizations are going.
1: They're hiring you know, young this, young guys. What this what it reminds me of is when I got to the Diamondbacks when I left the Braves the first time. It was, uh, you know, the Braves had a guy, you might know his name. Uh, is it Llewellyn, who was like the, the yeah. like a sports psychologist kind of a guy? Yeah. He yeah. was around, not much, but he was around. And I never knew that like I could go talk to him if I needed to or wanted to. But the Diamondbacks had that guy and he was very much around and very much like, this is what he does. Talk to him like you should. And it became, that's become more popular, right? A performance so, coach. Performance. Uh, sports psych. Yeah. Anyways. Those guys had
2: nothing for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this is what's great. So this guy's from like Britain or something. He works with a lot of golfers. Yeah. And he's always talking. He's got, he's got the answers for everything. You know, like, why are you pissed? You know, like mm-hmm. you shouldn't be dragging that stuff around. All of it's true, but it's like, okay, man. And he's working with golfers. So these guys on this Diamondbacks team, like Chris Snyder and some other Dan Heron, I think they took him golfing. They said within like two holes, he hit a bad shot and that club is flying. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. Yeah. Tell me more about how, how I should go and stand up on the mound and and not get pissed when I walk the third guy in a row or make an error and then strike out. Tell me more about that when you've never done it in your life. Well, that's that's the
2: thing about the bullpen, man. It's like the, the the bullpen is, is for me, the best coaches are, are guys that help you handle that pressure. When it's the fifth inning and you know you're going to be in the sixth or seventh, you're going to be facing that guy, the guys that still know how to keep it loose and, and, and you know, hit hammer home that message that it's the same game if it's bases loaded or nobody on. You know, I mean, there's just so much value in having been through it and knowing how to handle that pressure and the things you can pass on to guys. So you don't oh, yeah. think
0: the analytics guy who played small college ball and uh started. Well,
2: coaching there's players, a
1: place for that guy. There there is, there is. I don't think Absolutely. he knows what
2: he doesn't know what if what's really going through your head and how to control that. Yeah, you need yeah. both those what, guys. You need, you both. need people that you know have a how bridge to bridge like,
1: or something. Yeah.
2: You gotta manage your emotions. You gotta manage yourself and you gotta know how to take pressure off yourself before you go out there. You know, it's it's great if you tell me what pitch to throw. You know, the best pitch to throw here is a fastball down the way, but how do I make it when I can't feel the ball in my hand? You and know, I how thought, do I calm myself down? That type of stuff.
0: And I think yeah. the Braves have done a real good job having a coaching staff that is old school guys who are all willing to embrace the analytics and be They've the bridge you're talking about. Like yeah. Ron Washington giving you the analytics on why you should position yeah. here is a lot better than the analytics guy coming from the room and go, showing you the printouts that. going, this is why you should be here. And he never played the game.
1: Yeah. yeah. And for – People listening. A lot of teams have that. A lot of teams, like Sam yeah. Fultz, the GM of the Phillies, that was his job with the Phillies before he he got promoted. So teams have the, the the bridge, the guy that played that can, uh, you know. So there there's there's some people that are actively trying to to manage yeah. that. They're, you know, they'll they'll figure it out eventually. The the old school guys will be you know slide back into roles that you know are customary, and and there will be a place for both. I'm sure, but you know it's uh whatever that quote is about being the man in the arena like to me that's one of those like i don't want to hear it if you haven't stood there and done it you know and and even even from baseball sometimes the best coaches didn't necessarily you know snit didn't play in the big leagues but his strength isn't the experience of standing in the box or catching His strength is keeping it Fun, keeping it light, having a, a good, steady, calm personality, understanding,
2: uh, well, under- yeah, understanding the game's a hard.
1: listener, a communicator. You know, they have their strengths there that some of the best coaches I've had did not have. I had a, team, a coaching staff in Arizona that had like five dudes that won MVPs, All-Star Games and World Series. You know, a couple of them great. A, a couple of them I didn't get much from. Um, you know, so sometimes the best players don't make the best coaches. So right. I'm not going to sit here. And I don't want that to be what people hear, but you know, you have to have, you have to have something like that. It, and, think- and if,
0: if you, if you're not one of the best players, cause a lot of the best managers have been pretty bad or not bad players, but net players that never made it past like double AA, a triple a, you know, yeah. or, or, and a lot of the greatest players, there's very few of them have made great managers. There's not many Frank Robinson's and you know Lou Pinellas, who was who was real good. There's a lot more players that were mediocre, like the Snickers or whatever. Most of them got to the big leagues or whatever. But Snickers, what we've talked about this, Snickers' uh, biggest strength is he has said numerous times. He says it all the time. He understands how hard this game is to play because yeah. he wasn't yeah. very good at himself. So he fully appreciates how hard it is to play. Yeah. And he doesn't try, like you said, he's a manager and he surrounds himself with guys who were good players who know how to teach the game. And he's kind of the more the communicator, but he surrounds himself and delegates those
1: duties. That's if sure. he
0: tried to be a micromanager, he wouldn't be nearly as effective a manager as he is. He doesn't try to be something he's not,
1: you yeah. know. And it doesn't mean he can't look out there and see from a scouting right. perspective. Right. Or just, he's seen so much baseball. It's like Bobby. Yeah. Bobby. had Bobby basically played a year and a half in the big leagues. Right. You know, but man, he he grew up in an organization with some players, and he's seen a thing or two. Right. And after a while, you know, you just got to say, man, like what has what he not seen? Right. Right. You know, and that's a lot of those. Show Walter, you know, some of the some of the best managers I played for, Bobby and Show Walter. Uh, you know, Hinch had a decent backup career. Joe Girardi, backup catcher, also. I yep. Mean,
0: a lot of backup uh, catchers and a lot of catchers make a lot great of managers. Catchers
1: are good ones. Drew, kinda, we've talked well. about this. It's kind
0: of like yeah. that's the only position where you actually see literally see the entire game unfold
1: cuz well, it's in front of you. And I mean they communicate with the bullpen right. their whole life. They're pitchers, trying yeah. I mean a catcher a good catcher will tell you and Bobby, I mean uh, David and Rossi and um, and Mac both have said it a thousand times. Their job first and foremost is to make the pitchers look good. Right. You know yeah. that's that is it. You know, and Brian was a silver slugger and raked but I promise you he lived and died by what he did as a game caller and, and helping the pitchers and whatnot. And if it didn't go well, he he put it on himself. Yeah. So you know, I that, tell Dave
2: that all the time. Like it, you know, we'd be having a few beers after the game or something, and B-Mac could have been three for four. Rossi had a good game hitting, and these guys would be pissed off that they called a you know the wrong pitch from a changeup or something in a seven nothing game, and Christian Martinez wound up giving up a run. You know, they'd be yeah. going back and forth over that pitch they called. And th- that would ruin their day, yeah. You know, I mean, I was I was always shocked by that. Like, man, you hit you hit two homers today, and you, yeah. you're worried about one pitch you called in the sixth inning that didn't have any effect on the game. Yeah,
0: it's it's really amazing you see how many. Uh, if you go back through the list of great managers, how many of them were catchers? I mean, I mean, I I covered a couple of years. Jim Leland, you know, was a was a was a mediocre catcher in the minor leagues, yeah. and just made a great manager, but. I mean, there's there's so many of them. If you look, you're like, "Wow, well, he was a catcher too." Yeah, so there's yep. so something sure. too yep. the communication the communication, knowing the whole game, understanding the whole game. And, that's and then a lot of great better. players they can't they can't a lot of great players like Ted Williams. That was a crappy manager, very briefly, because they can't really relate to an average player. You know, they could just
2: do things other people couldn't, yeah. and they're like, "Well, why don't you just get your foot down earlier?" That's what <laughs> yeah. I did. You know, oh, <laughs> trying. Yeah.
1: Oh, I, had, I had Don Baylor in Arizona, and I'm like, Chipper, you know, loved Don Baylor. And I'm right. like, perfect. This is going to be awesome. You know, finally, this guy's <laughs> going to be great. Chipper loved him. Well, Baylor, it was so simple for him. Yeah. And he kept yeah. telling me, it's, it's just this, baby. Like, you got your double, <laughs> just this. And I'm like, first of all, you're a right handed hitter. I'm a left handed hitter. And you're telling, I could not relate to the guy whatsoever. But the guy I had the year before, his name is Jack Howell. He was a pinch hit bench guy for. I don't know. Maybe maybe he got like close to ten years, but he's just a goofball who yeah. just made it like fun and didn't put any pressure on us. And he was always there for the you know at the right time in the batting cage. You needed him. You needed the field. He had it ready, and he just make you feel really less crappy about a bad stretch. And that was that's perfect. everything perfect <laughs> for me.
0: And some yeah. guys just click with uh, with some guys and there's really not yeah. much of an explanation for it either. I mean uh, like Austin Riley, the Braves have four hitting coaches right now, when you include Chipper now, as a part time, he's here for home games and all that. They have four hitting coaches now because they had yeah. Magal they promoted Magalines last year. Everybody swears by Magdalene's from Triple A came up. Um uh, Sites has been has coached some great hitters a- in his time. Kansas City, Toronto here. Sites was a hell of a hitter himself. Yeah. The Yankees was a hell of a hitter himself through his career. Um and then Austin Riley, during this stretch last, he's, he he had a bit, he bit of a rough patch in this uh, for the first time in a while during this road trip, four games hitless. So who does he turn to? The guy that got his swing right when he was in the minor leagues when he first got promoted up here, Mike Brumley. He just clicks with Mike Brumley, who's the minor league hitting coordinator. So they got four hitting coaches here, but he texts back and forth with Mike Brumley, who saw something in his swing, his elbow. He's talking about his elbow, and he wasn't getting. He was getting. He was either getting. High, too high, it was coming around the ball, or it's too low. But he's getting, but, but Brumley texted him this. He worked on it in the cage yesterday. He goes yeah. out and has three hits, a hit by pitch, a walk, a home run, three RBIs. Yeah. Just have to make an adjustment with the guy who's not even with the team. He's with the, he's the minor league hitting coordinator. So sometimes there's really not. An expert, some guys click better yeah. with some guys, like Baylor yeah, with yeah. Chipper. Baylor said, yeah. Chipper said Baylor turned his career around.
1: Yeah, I know that's that's it's yeah. hilarious. It's just the way it goes. But I don't know that. But, you know, as far as like, you know, we were talking about just the, the strength of the experience and the guys. I mean, my, I joked about my transaction history being what it is. And that that could be what, you know, if anybody remembers the name Kelly, they're going to remember some stupid trade, you know, transaction. <laughs> you know, whatever. Right? It, it, being being remembered for something is great. So, <laughs> but I got to play for a lot of great organizations. I, I mean, I, I, was, I made a list like two years ago of all the, the guys I played with at each position. And it's just Hall of Famers. Yeah. Managers, Hall of Famers, pitchers. And, I mean, I I was enough of a teammate to have some kind of little relationship with most of these people, and that's, that's in here. Like, you know, I can carry that around, and there's guys like that that are way – put my list to shame. Yeah. And those guys need to be in the game. They need to be – that's where you learn it. You know, somebody says, well, you know, Chipper – we listened to a broadcast, and Chipper said this about – your hands with hitting well that's not that's not i guarantee you that's not chipper saying that that's chipper getting it from yeah argill right yeah on baylor and he got it from somebody he got it this is passed down and and that's yeah it's i I often like have to tell people like where i even dads of kids i'm like you know so and so told me and then then their ears perk up yeah yeah you know i have to drop the biggest name possible to get Yeah. yeah to get no. the reaction, but it's like, <laughs> no, man, like this is what it is to have had a career and a life in this game. And that's why being somebody that's played this long and having guys in, on your bench or in your, in your locker room that have, have been around that long matters. And
0: D-Row has done a great job of exploiting just what you're talking about using it in a right way yeah. on his show on Central. Right. Cause yeah. he'll talk about some, some pointer, and he doesn't just say it. He says, "When I talk to Chipper, when I talk to the guys he played with in Texas, he cites every guy that told him this, and it makes it okay." You listen. You listen a little more closely than if he was just making this up himself or some observation he had.
1: Yeah, I just videoed Jim Tome giving a, a, a tutorial on keeping the hands above the baseball. He's great. Recorded he? it, and I and and I've you know, I got three boys, and I'm dad. I'm not. I'm not yeah. a baseball player. I'm dad. So then I'm like, here, watch this. And it was like, I, I, I think I may have said everything he said word for word with the exact same demonstration. Right. And my kids are like, Oh yeah. You know, yeah. So they're like it's it 600 home
0: runs. It matters coming from him. The
1: context of like, yeah. where did you get it? Where did it come from? And how long it's been passed around? Like those things are invaluable. So to, to not have somebody and people in your organization around, like it's baffling. I think, and I do think it's coming back around, but it's, it's been crazy, and then you're starting to see, especially the hitting has been. I mean, I'm sure the pitching too. Like these guys aren't dotting up; they're not, they're not dialing back to to make you know extend their their games. They're throwing as hard as they can for as long as they can, and then they're out. Yeah, yeah. And you get these hitters. Like I was watching a game; I don't even know who the hitter was, but you know, we get into any highlight where they show a pitcher striking a guy out. Let's you know, I'm seeing two strike, the run yeah. No cut down, no Mm -hmm. choke. And I'm not like this huge spread out and choke up guy. I would never teach that or tell anyone. But at the same time, like. Games on the line,
2: you know, shorten up and let's make contact here.
1: And you have to work on it. You have to have situational BP. And there's got to be that moment where your brain puts yourself in that like position. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, how. anyway.
2: It's what do you just, think about the shift? shift. Like the guys, because oh, me and Dave talk about this a lot. And it's like, the, you know, the whole go the other way thing. And the two arguments is, you know, one hitters or one one side will say, you know, hitters are stupid. They need to shorten up and go the way like it's easy. And the hitters will say, well, I'm facing 100 with a 95 mile an hour slider. You know, it's it's not easy to hit. So as a hitter, yeah, what I'm, do you?
1: Yeah, you know, like I, I feel like as a hitter, again, being able to have the correct middle approach. And then being able to like, you know, anytime you start trying to manipulate anything, you might, you're going to put yourself in a tough spot. And so I do think you need to stay true to what you can do, but you, what you can do needs to be taught and worked on. And it needs to be, you know, be something that can, it can be counter to the shifts. So by staying more middle, not Mm -hmm. necessarily like zapping your power and trying to massage things the other way. Now you're like missing pitches. You should crush because you're doing this, but Mm -hmm. I was watching, I, I had a dig me moment of all my like 2005, 2007 highlights and I hadn't pulled those discs out in forever. And I, I had my son watching them and we we're just sitting there. And I mean, it was like, roll over ground ball down the line for a double, roll over four <laughs> hole, no shifting. And I'm just boom, hit, 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 rolling <laughs> over. <laughs> and I'm like, dang, five <laughs> years later, yeah, every one of those is an out. Th- that's you know, that's kind that. of
2: what we were talking about. It, You know, it's like, you yeah. see all the no hitters and all this stuff. Like, I think it's, it's definitely harder to hit now with those defenses, but yeah. I mean, I'm guessing like, do you think guys could adjust or is it just like yeah. Daniel Murphy said it however many years ago, he's like, if I hit a single, I'm going to clog the bases up. If I right. try to hit my doubles and homers, you yep. know, I'm going to put up my numbers, but I just wonder what you think about that mindset.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, I, that's, I think what Murph and what Kevin Long were onto was they're shifting you. And so you gotta we gotta do something a little different. And that's where Murph the funny thing is is that was the beginning of the launch angle, and some might point to like them. Murph's not launch Murph actually, if you ask him, the only thing he did, he stopped trying to massage the ball the other way. He started trying to drive it. But then we're taught from a young age in our generation, inside on top of the ball. So pick a spot up on top of the ball, inside and stay through it. And he said I'm not looking at the top inside anymore. I'm looking at the bottom of the baseball, and it's the same swing. So now he's taking the same swing at the bottom of the ball, and he's hitting in it the air. in the air. And so he's just trying to drive it, same approach, middle of the field, gap to gap. But instead of staying on top inside of the baseball, he's staying on the bottom of the baseball. All of a sudden, and people don't understand, Murph, if you watch him in the cage, more he has as much pop. It's like Ichiro. Ichiro in the cage. He oh, each or, yeah, he, he, he could win the home run derby though. if he felt like it. So it didn't surprise me one bit when Murph starts hitting all these tanks because I had seen him in the cage and the balls exploding off his bat more than guys like David Wright and you know even more so than some of those guys. And you're like, you should have been doing this your whole life. but he didn't I faced see-
2: him in oh9 and '10 and he was just slapping balls all over the place. And then five <laughs> years later, he decided to start trying to hit it in the air and he was dropping tanks.
1: Well, yeah. Sites so
0: – Se was talking about you know the difference uh you know and why the the three outcomes now and how there's so much emphasis on launch angle and all that and he said guys aren't penalized for striking out guys are yeah. rewarded for slug and that's all they're rewarded for basically and <laughs> yeah. until that changes why are hitters going to change I mean you're not yeah. penalized for striking out 150 times and you're rewarded for hitting 30 bombs and for little else or hitting high slugging percentage you're I not re- you're not penalized for hitting 230.
2: Carlos Pena was the first guy I remember saying, screw it, and just being willing to hit 210 with 35, 40 homers. Yeah,
0: yeah. We laughed at Dave Kingman when I was a kid. Everybody thought Dave Kingman was some kind of a freak. And he's basically the game right now. Right now, this snapshot in time, he is so many sluggers. He is not much more extreme than a whole lot of sluggers out there right now. But at the time, when I was a kid, he was an absolute freak. What he did was like, you'd never never want a team full of those guys. But he was fine to hit 40 home runs, you know, and and strike out 150. He didn't even strike out 150, 200 times. But
2: you ask any pitcher, you know, for me, the hardest at-bats were guys like Martin Prado. Yeah. That you you could make your pitch and they'll still hit a single. When you you face a lineup full of guys just trying to hit home runs or trying to do damage, Mm -hmm. I know that if I make my pitch, it's going to be a ground ball to shortstop. And then it just comes down to execution because – the guys that adapt or do a guy like Prado that would, you know, if I threw him a slider away, he's going the other way. If I try to pound a man, he might pull it. Uh, those for me were always the toughest at bats. And I, I feel like just that, you know, from a pitching standpoint, nobody values singles. But as a pitcher, you give up a single and it's like, maybe I don't have it today. And now there's a hole on the right side. You know how it affects the next couple hitters? Yeah. I just don't feel like it's valued.
1: It's crazy. Yeah, the, I mean, the teams that win are still the teams that – and this was the goal as a hitter, the, your, your goal every year to be ready to do damage, but be cautious enough to take, 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 take the pitches you need to take. And that's the Dodgers. That was the Astros. That's been the Red Sox. You know, they're three and two, every, every hitter, every hitter in the lineup. Oh, the two, Dodgers are three and tough. two. Walk, 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 homer, yep. walk, base yep. hit, walk, yep. you know, two strikes it's zero and two. Next thing you know, it's three and two. Like those are always the teams that win. And, yeah. and yet we don't see, we don't see that emphasized as, as a, and, it, and not, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to be that, but that's kind of goes back to what I was saying about my, just my own career. I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of that more at bats in the beginning of my career that got to three and two than I did middle to later. And, and, and just being in that mindset of man, I might like to share to share never swung three, and oh, 40 home run hitter. I remember being in the dugout and Bobby being like, "If this guy would just swing three and zero, he'd hit ten more home runs a year." And it's like, "But what yeah, does that? Everybody swings three and zero. What does that do to his? If he does do that, what does that do? What's the, the chain of, of reaction of that? You know, what might it create? Might would it would it create ten more homers? But it might.
2: Yeah, you get a three <laughs> zero pop up as a pitcher, twenty five fewer walks. Gift.
1: He had a huge he yeah, had a huge OBP. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's Dave it's, Kingman. Uh, I'm looking
0: at Dave Kingman, by the way, because he was considered the, you know, Adam Dunn of his dime, like the the first, the forerunner of that. The dude uh never struck out 160 times in his career, and he led the league in strikeouts like three out of four years. 131, 105, 156. This was like 1979 to 82. Last eight years of his career from 79 to 86, averaged 30 homers. And at a time when 30 homers was like 45 today, yeah. averaged averaged 106 strikeouts. And he was considered like a whiff king. That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that funny? That's funny. <laughs> the games just totally changed, man. I know. Uh, so, hey, I was going to ask you real quick before we get running out of time here. Um, Austin Riley, start of the year, he hit in his first 15 games, hit 182 with a 456 OPS. And we were playing the Yankees up in New York, and I remember him get. Uh, Bo asked uh, Snit, "How long can you stick with Austin Riley? Is it one of those guys you just got to be patient with, you know?" And Snit was like, "I really don't have a choice to be patient with. You got to be patient with these young guys. It's not like we have a, a, you know, there's an option. You have to be." And then he caught fire right then. That's when he caught fire. But it reminded me of the year that you know that you had when 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 you first came up. It was you know right. you went oh for whatever, and 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 Bobby was just stubborn as hell and said, "I'm staying with him." And then you caught fire. But Austin Riley, even with his 0 for 17 that he just went through before yesterday, his last 47 games, this guy has hit his last 47 games, he's hit 329, 10 doubles, 12 homers, 412 OBP, 506 slugging, 1,017 OPS, last 47 games. In that same span, since April 18th, Acuna has hit 224. 11 homers, 827 OPS in 44 games. Tells you how hot he was early. Freddie Freeman is at 244, 810 OPS, 11 homers in 47 games. Ozzy Albies, 284, 882 OPS, 16 doubles, four triples, seven homers in 47 games. So, I mean, all those guys under 900, 827, 810, 882 OPS, Riley's over 1,000. Just, I mean, it's like. Something clicked. Yep. He's carried the offense. I mean, Acuna was so hot early that he still got huge numbers. He's still, a, you know, MVP caliber numbers. But I mean, the guy that's carried the offense the last forty five games is Riley.
1: Here's another way the games changed, and it's it blows my mind when I see those OPS numbers. Is our I, I, same thing? To share being on the team, we had him in spring training the next year in 08, and he and just OPS came up, and that was the first time I think I even really ever had a conversation about OPS. And he said, "Yeah," he said anything over like. 800 is good. He said anything over 900 is all-star. Anything up over 950 is like Hall of Fame. He uh-huh. didn't even mention 1,000. Right, so, right, right, right. <laughs> and then so Murph, you look at Daniel Murphy, and he went through that 2015, that monster stretch in the playoffs, and he got hot there at the end. But up until maybe the, when he went to Washington, I don't even think because that was his free agent. Yeah, so the next year, he had never had a month that he had an 800, above 800. OPS. Wow. Never one month in his whole career. That's amazing. At that point, was seven years deep. Never had one month of having an OPS over. And that's where it's like, okay, I get now a little bit of the mentality of what these guys are doing because you're looking at, you know, how much they do get on base. So they still are withdrawing some wonks. They are mm-hmm. striking out. And then they're, they're driving the ball. And so is it really, is it really worse? I think that the fact that when you need to shorten up and you really need to get move a runner 90 feet. We're just not seeing it. Right. So not it's exactly.
0: Absolutely. That's as far where it's as the
1: OPS goes. It's, it's crazy how many guys are up back in the day. It was Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, and then mm-hmm. one other dude would have a thousand OPS. Right. That's it. You're that right. was it. You know, and now it's in 900 was good. Nine, you know, 800 was good. If you had an yep. OPS overrated, I, I look at like my best season ever was, my ops was not 900. It was a, it was a good 800, 850, eight, I don't know what it was, but it right. wasn't 900. And that was great. hours like, wow, like, that year. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, dude, like these guys put me to shame now. Like, I mean, that's that's just tells you like the, how it's changed. Yeah. These guys and, these guys are really good. It's just just please for the life like when you need to do it, just let's try not to strike out one time. Yeah.
0: The get them over and get them in has just died, man. It's just like yeah. you might. The only time you even hear it is during batting practice. Get them over, get them in, but they don't no, do it during to the hear game. They're still doing it, <laughs> but they don't do it during the game, though. They just they do it during batting practice. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah, that's um, the main thing I see that Kelly was talking about. It's just those those big at bats when you need it, and then you yep. see a guy. Yep. Strike out, you know, yep. run around second, full swing. How, and
0: how, how, does it drive you crazy when a team gets one or two guys, when a guy get when a team gets two guys on with none out in an inning? I see you. this all the time. I mean, sorry, but the Braves do it a lot. Get two guys on, none out, and nobody scores. You yeah. get a strikeout, pop up, roll over. I mean, it's like it's yeah, it's man. just a different game than it used to be. And they're a good they're a good team, you know, right? Brown they're like yeah. playing great, but they're still good. <laughs> But they're not even a bad team, and they're doing that.
1: Yeah. And now, now coaching my kids, it's what's funny from a coaching perspective. Managing coaching is like those situations
0: you're trying to tell them so
1: important. And as a player, sometimes it's just like you know, it's it's hard when you're when you're the hitter. There's so many factors of what you're trying to accomplish. Like you're trying to stay within your little your yourself to just even compete in this at bat. So to go up there and, and act like it's so easy to yeah you know, p- drop a bunt or or right. you know, move a guy like you you it's like you're trying you're trying to stay within yourself and make that happen and so you know as a but as a coach you're like it's not that hard come on like, Why yeah why can we not get that guy in from third infield back that's you know? what I
2: was asking you you know because the stuff's nasty and and hard chip it or that's
1: both This thing is really hard because the pitchers are pitching to the defense. Right. Yeah. It's like I heard Glavin say just the other day on the, on the on the the Braves broadcast, he said for them, the defense played for the pitcher. So, you know, the scouting meetings before every series was here's who we got, you know, and then let's say it's Glavin and he's changed up and, you know, outside corner. So now you got, you know, the defense, the outfield going this way, you know, the infield going this way and he stays out there, stays out there. And you're hoping for a week pull ground balls and you're hoping for flare pop-up or whatever, weak contact, you know, and so your defense is set up for him. Now, you know, that guy, he's a 90% pull. So we're shifting him. Right. to, pitch to the that. Man. Yeah.
0: I wonder what they would do with Andrew Jones, if they would do anything different to him. Because Andrew, you know, was, was the ridiculous innate uh, ability to – I mean, he had three Hall of Famers pitching, granted, but – I mean, there's video of Andrew taking that first step before the ball's hit. I mean, he yeah. uh, thats he knew, what,
1: he knew what the pitcher was doing. Right. Yeah. And it the pitcher was different. not
0: going to miss. His pitchers were not going to miss either.
1: Oh, yeah. No, Andrew was a, such a freak. That guy needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. And, I, and why is anybody wearing this guy's number for the Braves? It's driving me nuts. I, I agree with that, too. <laughs> I don't yeah. really care. But, like, at the same time, I'm like, that's not right.
0: It took them a while just to put him in their Hall of Fame. yeah. But they I mean, didn't retire his jersey. The only jersey they've retired of a non-Hall of Famer is Murph. Yeah, Andrew deserves it. I I agree. Ten ten straight gold gloves and 450 home runs. I mean, come on. You're going to tell me his batting average wasn't high enough or whatever? Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer, man. He's the greatest center fielder I've ever seen. If you could say that 26 years, I've (laughs) covered the game 26 years. He's the greatest I've ever seen. Hands down. Yeah. Devon White at his peak was close. Defensively close, but he wasn't Andrew Jones. Yeah. At his peak. And Devon didn't do it for half as long as Andrew did at his peak. Uh, you know, Willie Mays, guys who saw Willie Mays. And Willie Mays told Andrew, you're the best I've ever seen. TP was standing there talking to AJ, to Andrew in San Francisco. And Willie Mays walked over and told him, said, son, kid, you're the best I've ever seen. Play center field.
1: That should be enough. Come on,
0: right there. That's like, <laughs> just put him in the hall we don't
1: vote. Willie yeah. Mays said he's the vote. best he's ever seen. Andrew, unanimous, unanimous Hall of Famer, one vote. It's hard to <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: By the way, to you,
0: what you were saying about uh, the Braves as far as pitching, you're right. I mean, the offense is still there, the raw numbers. Now, they they piled up some stats. and some, It's a little skewed because they piled up some stats in some big routes. But they're third in the NL in scoring right now behind only the Reds and the Dodgers. Third in OPS behind those two teams. And they lead the NL in home runs with 95. But they're uh, 11th in the league in ERA at 434, which you don't usually see from the Braves. They're ahead of only the Pirates, Reds, Rockies, and D-backs in yep. uh, ERA. And they've allowed 78 homers, which is tied for fourth most in the NL. And they don't play in a hitter-friendly ballpark. It's a fair ballpark. They've issued 219 walks, six ties in the NL. And here's where it really gets ugly. their starters are ninth in the NL with a 4.10 ERA the Braves relievers are 13th in the league with a 4.77 ERA. They're better than only the Rockies and the Reds, and we know those two teams have com- some disadvantages. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's killing them. I mean, it's killing them. We've seen that. We saw the lack of bullpen depth. They got a, they've got some horses, but it's like three of them instead of six like they had last year.
1: Yeah. Missing Soroka is not good either, but you know, you can't oh, do anything yeah. about no injuries doubt. sometimes. But that's no your doubt. that's your number one. It's the same thing as is having okay, when is Freddie coming up in the batting order? Okay, every fifth day, when is Soroka gonna pitch? Right. Yeah. Things like that. Game changers for your for your squad. I mean, it's and it puts everybody in their place. Right. Yeah. That's what I always said about Chipper. Chipper's in the three hole versus not playing. Now you who's playing now who's hitting third? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, who's hitting and then who's hitting wherever he was hitting? You know, it's just a trickle down. So it's it's a tough one but uh I don't know. They they're still good enough and the division's still weak enough and, and you know they're yeah. all in that same they should be they should be good but they definitely have to have what all the good teams have is that that run. And yeah. that's yeah. what to They haven't had say. that yet. 100 games in, who makes the run for the last 60. And that's yeah. you know
0: they have had three four game losing streak but they haven't had put together a good winning streak yet. One of those win 9 out of 10, 17 out yeah. of 20. they haven't done anything like that yet close no. to that yet. And, and it's hard when you're not getting a bunch of guys clicking at once, which they've seen, done a little better at that lately. And I think Chris Martin, if they can keep him upright and healthy, makes a huge addition to that bull. They're different with him in there. He's so good, but you just got to keep him healthy. You can't overwork that guy or he gets hurt. Yep. So. yep. Anyway, well, man, listen, it's been great having you, dude. It's been great hearing your uh, perspective on all this stuff. It's, I, I can yep. never never tire of hearing your stories. It's great to hear yeah. from get, the guys. Don't get so,
1: tired so of these much. tan lines either. I know you're gonna miss these. <laughs> Those are beauties, man. <laughs> Those are beauties. You kept All them. Right. Appreciate y'all, man. Yeah, I thanks for it.
2: coming oh, on, Killer.
1: Anytime. time. Good talking right. to y'all. Good luck to
0: the kids and youth in East Cop baseball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Raising Keep raising the next wave of mediocre baseball players like like their dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: mediocre. All right. Thanks a lot to Kelly for, uh, for joining us here. And, and I hope you guys stuck around for the, till the end. And give us a good thumbs up and all that. 755 is real. We'll be back again later in the week.